Ladies and gents, hello for tuning in. You have my thanks. It's the best pod in the business. It's BR Football Ranks. There's games across the globe and silly seasons in full swing. But don't fret, we've got it down so you don't miss a thing. The coffers underway in the warm Brazilian winter. And is Romelu Lukaku about to secure a move to Inter? Messi's Argentina in disarray again. And VAR in the World Cup got us debating France's pen. So let us set sail into the deep footballing blue. But before we leave the harbour, let me introduce your crew. We've got Dean Jones picking through the transfer dust in the heart of all the madness. Here's a man that you can trust. Sam Tai sharing knowledge. You know he ain't a hoarder. The rank god putting football back into the correct order. My name's Jack Collins, the poet they call Prince, keeping it all ticking along like a podcast, Paul Ince. Across the football landscape, it's okay, we got you covered. About the players that you love and the ones not yet discovered, from the US to Australia, there's a lot that we know. And we're coming for that top job, like Gianni Infantino. Right, Sam, let's do it. Hot take, let's go. Me first, I feel honoured. Um, My hot take is going to light up my mentions once again. It's like I don't know what's good for me. The Rodrigo to Real Madrid deal just doesn't really make much sense to me. Lots of people are praising Real Madrid's early summer work. And for the most part, that is fair. Jovic, Hazard, Militao, Mendy, all very good players. Four very good players. Their fifth signing, Rodrigo, this doesn't make much sense because, well... I think it's too much money for a player that I genuinely haven't been that impressed with when I've seen him. So unless an 18-year-old showcases like once-in-a-generation ability, like Vinicius Jr. did at the South American Youth Championships, I don't think committing 45 million euros to him is a particularly great idea, especially if he comes from a different continent and there are so many different factors at play in terms of whether or not he can settle in. So I counted up and I've watched Rodrigo seven times and at no point have I ever gone, wow, this kid is unreal. And trust me, I did that with Vinicius Jr. Yeah, yeah. So the price tag worries me. He will arrive at Real Madrid to find the following players. Benzema, Jovic, Hazard, Isco, Asensio, Bale, Vinicius Jr., Mariano Diaz, Lucas Vazquez, Brahim Diaz, Danny Ceballos, James Rodriguez and Martin Odegaard. All at the club, all playing in his position or close to it. That's 13 players. Now, look, even if four left, even if three left, you've got nine or ten guys in the queue. Where does the playing time come from? I worry that this guy is going to get lost out on loan because Real Madrid are not very forward thinking. Hell, they've got Vinicius Junior in their ranks already and they went and signed Eden Hazard this summer. So where does the playing time come from? What's the long-term plan? And why has there been so much money committed to a player who hasn't thrilled in the way Vinicius did when you just don't need that kind of player? Is this a crossover from different managers? Because obviously he was signed some while back. Yeah, I just don't know if the manager really has a say in this. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe this is more of a Florentino Perez thing or okay. a Real Madrid thing. And maybe they're consciously trying to be more forward thinking, but we know who they are and they know who they are and they'll hit that reset button and they'll sign a Hazard if it doesn't work in two years. They're is not he gonna... just going to sign for play for Castilla? Is that going to be it? Is that, just I mean, gonna... but that's a ludicrous use of 45 million euros or reported as such, isn't it? I mean, you don't, you don't... I thought the idea of, of, of buying a player for, straight from Brazil at 18 or like trying to get them very early. I thought the idea was that you try and save a bit of money or get them early. Yeah, yeah. You don't spend this much money on him. What if you saw his worst seven games he's ever had and every other game he's been brilliant? I mean, f- fair play if he's catfished me like that. I mean, <laughs> that, would be, that would be sensational. I, I consider five to seven games a reasonable barometer of a footballer. Like yeah, I think you can true. get a couple of they bad games after another. Way. 
Uh, I watched. I watched. No, I've watched some for Santos, and then I watched all, all of his under twenty youth championship okay. in January and February. And just, he was even given like the keys to the attack in that tournament. He was the main man. They gave him the support striker role and said, "Do what you like." And he was barely involved half the time. That's what's got me so worried. He can't make an impact when he's given the central role for Brazil. He's not going to be given that role for Real Madrid. Not with those guys in front of him at the queue. It just seems like it's almost a hangover from like the season almost. It is one of those ones they were like, oh, we should probably sign someone else like Vinicius because Vinicius was basically the only bright spark in that team last year. And then it got to the summer and Zidane was like, nope, signing loads of players now. And (laughs) they've kind of just forgotten that they signed Rodrigo. And it's almost just like he's an afterthought. Well, there was also, and maybe it was a forethought. And like when they were getting Rodrigo, they didn't realise they were also going to sign... Jovic, <laughs> so they didn't realize it all actually come through. Yeah, it, it does seem a bit weird. You're Rodrigo right. might look. He, he might, might be. Pretty... He might turn out to be great. I just, with the circumstances at play, the price tag, his age, what I've seen of his ability, the players in his position that already play for the club, and the strategy at play at Real Madrid, I can't see it working. All right, let's move it on. Dean, what's your hot take? Well, on the back of that, I think it's interesting that players make dream moves and they don't always work out. And I think we've reached the stage actually where there is too much money in football and it's actually now starting to have a negative impact on the game. Only Justine. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, this is, this is not it's premature. Now, well, it's now reached the stage where players are taking huge moves to massive clubs and then they're getting stuck if it doesn't work out mm. because nobody else can afford to take them away on those wages. So let's look at a few examples of this. Meza Ozil, doing at Arsenal, doing all right. Not, towards the end of his um, last deal, actually, not doing great, but then Arsenal give him this massive new contract under Arsene Wenger, signs it, 350 grand a week. Now, under Unai Emery, barely gets in the team, would probably like a move. Arsenal definitely want him to move. He can't. He's stuck. No one can buy him. Look at Gareth Bale, adding about 500 grand at Real Madrid. Right now, no interest in leaving. People offering him sort of loan moves, they also sign him, drop his wages down. No, he'd rather be the highest paid golfer there is out there. He is stuck at Real Madrid. Look at Coutinho at Barcelona right now. Chased that move, thought it was going to be great for him. Hasn't worked out. Now he's stuck. Nobody can afford to sign Coutinho on these kind of words. Alexis Sanchez, United's top earner, stuck at Man United right now because nobody can afford to sign him. And now you even look at Neymar. Takes loads of money to go from Barcelona to PSG, which, by the way, is the wrong way around at the point of his career. You're not supposed to go Barcelona to PSG. You go the other way, which he's now realised. Now he's got to PSG. Not quite as good as he thought it would be. What's he going to do? He's stuck unless Barcelona decide to sign him back, which they might do. But right now, that's basically his only way out is Barcelona. What about Real Madrid? Real Madrid are waiting for Mbappe. They're not going to go for Neymar. So I just think that right now, there's just... Some of the, probably the top, those potatoes are all potentially in the top 20 in the world. If they're playing properly. When they're playing properly. Yeah. And there's five footballers there. And there are others like Higuain, Icardi, potentially, that are stuck because they're earning so much money. And there's like three or four clubs that can, on their day, afford to sign them. And these players can't sign all of them because of financial fair play. I mean, these these players can leave if they agree to significantly lower their wage packet, right? They're not doing that. Is that the point? No, but they're not not stuck. They're stuck because they don't want to give up money. So, again, the point, which which is like... There's too much money It's damaging. It's now genuinely holding players back because potentially they're just too greedy and they can't... Like, Ozil doesn't want to go... And, and and take what it would be. I hope Coutinho. I hope Coutinho card, proves me wrong. I hope Coutinho does get out of Barcelona, and if it means taking a bit of a pay, then hopefully he'll do that if the right move comes along. 
Um, the others I'm really not convinced of at all. Um, and I think that I think it's just a problem. And I think it's also a case of careful what you wish for as footballers now, because your dream move doesn't always turn out exactly as you want. Yeah, you'll have a lovely bank balance, but you might not be playing football anymore. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, something that kind of feeds back into this is what Dusan Tadic said, mm. where he was saying that a lot of players are happy to move to sort of mid-tier Premier League clubs because the money's there instead of challenging for titles elsewhere in Europe. Yeah. Is that a thing, do you reckon, Sam? Well, I mean, he's made it a thing, for sure. Well, I, mean, it's a, I mean, I guess until he pointed it out, maybe it wasn't as obvious. And it probably needed a player like Dusan Tadic to leave uh, relegation-battling Southampton and then go and score, what, like 40 goals for Ajax, get to the Champions League semi-finals, yeah. win, a, win a double in the domestic stakes. You need that shining example for people to follow that route. But at the end of the day, a player like Tadic, like first of all, he already moved from the Eredivisie into the Premier League and took that wage packet. So now that he's actually stacked up quite enough cash, he's actually gone the other way round. And also, it's just human nature, isn't it, to go and want to... The, the wage packet on offer is going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not going to stop players wanting to go and move to a Southampton or to a newly promoted club because they can get 60 grand a week there. I don't really blame the players. No. Someone just literally was like, you can do your same job and be paid three times more. You'd take it. Everyone would. Absolutely. Basic nature. Absolutely. It is human nature and it's fair enough it's just this this quirk in the transfer market that is created with these players that Dean points out and there are others as well as you mentioned and Adrian Rabio is lucky that he's on a free that he's now moving yeah. on a free contract because yeah. he's made it extremely difficult for himself to go and move to a different club as well right let's move it on to the third hot take which as ever was decided by the poll we asked you which of the players and their proposed transfer destinations you would like us to discuss how they fit and first place was Portuguese wonder kid protege Sam's favourite, João Felix, on his proposed move to Atletico Madrid. Now, this move has been denied vehemently by Benfica. Um, we know that that doesn't really mean that much. Uh, Atletico seem to have leaked to sources that they're confident of using of hitting his transfer buyout clause and, and securing Felix's signature. Dean, do you think this one's on the cards? It's always hard like people knock people for writing transfer stories and trust me it's really hard to figure out what's real and what's not what you should be chasing what you shouldn't and when you get a call you try and go down different avenues you've just got to pick who you believe at the end of the day yeah, yeah. it's not always easy and that's why it takes quite a while into your journalistic career to figure out who you can actually trust to give you the the straight truth so, so is this a case of someone at Atletico Madrid told a journalist we've signed him is that what's happened yeah either someone's leaked it to them to trip them up to either trip the journalist up or to get this thing going and to put pressure on the deal to actually happen it's one of those two things i'd imagine but benfica is it's quite rare that you get a statement so strong as benfica's denying a move denying talks denying the fact that 30 percent of the commission will go to an agent and things like that what about i mean mean, they don't need to they don't need to talk do they because it's a release clause that's it furlong mendy at leon obviously there was a statement from leon denying that frankfurt denied that jovic was talking to real madrid did yeah trust clubs less than you could trust journalists it's it's one of those it's one of those weird things where is this just benfica being like no we're not accepting a deal so that when the buyout clause does get hit they could be like we wouldn't have accepted a deal but we were forced to because of the clause in the contract. Possibly, yeah. And I mean, obviously, they want to hold on to Joe Felix because, let's face it, the, probably the best place he can be next season is with them. I think, personally, that yeah, it would yeah. be great for him to another year there. And I'm sure that they are hoping that this doesn't work out for him in a way. But I guess the question right now is, if Atletico do push this deal over the line, does he fit into La Liga? Does he fit into Atletico? This is where I was going to come to you, Sam. And this does is where, he and, fit? And this is where I'm really torn because... You know, obviously he's amazing. And if you were to pick a position... 
for him to play in moving on from Benfica, it would be free roam support striker in probably a 4-4-1-1 style formation Absolutely. where he can drift left to right, where he can interpret and can be inventive. It's like the dream move. If he's replacing Griezmann and he's playing off a target man and he's got a solid base of four behind him, you can't ask for much more than that in terms of a fit. So on one level, fantastic. On the other level, I look at the the, the trail of like attacking, inventive, creative players that Diego Simeone has has left in his wake yeah. over the years. Cholo has a reputation. We're talking, we're talking great players as well sometimes. Like sometimes it's someone like Vitolo. Sometimes it's Thomas Lamar and Jelson Martins. Those are the two most obvious recent ones. Applies to strikers too. Raul Jimenez, amazing for Wolves this season. Didn't get a look in at Atletico Madrid. The, the list is, is kind of, it's probably about 15 strong. And the, the hits are far more rare than the misses. Yeah. So just on that perspective alone, I wouldn't want to send a player like Felix to a manager like Simeone. But I do wonder if he is replacing Griezmann, if he's the main man, and maybe this is the thing that bucks the trend. But yeah. it is an if, yes, because yeah. history suggests that a player like Felix does not thrive under Simeone. So few teams in Europe play with two up top or, or one off the striker almost. It, it's so, you know, we see the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1s are now the, you know, the most common formation. Maybe a 3-5-1-1 would work potentially, but you don't see them very often. And Atletico are one of the very few teams that play with a support striker and a free roll, which does seem to add up. But I completely take your point. Simeone does have a reputation here and we'd be mad to ignore that. If, um, if, if the manager wasn't Diego Simeone and you presented me a 4-4-1 formation, playing off a target man, playing as a support striker with a free roam, and it's a, it's a nameless team, but like, this is the situation you'd put him into, I'd go, absolutely perfect. The fact that it's Simeone is the reason I'm like, because the expectations are going to be really high. If they hit the 120 million euro buyout clause, that is an unbelievable amount of money for a kid, right? And the, basically the history suggests that it wouldn't work. Okay. By well, the way, he's also been linked with Man United. Like, do not do that, Don't do Joel that, Felix. Joel, Do Joel, not do that. Don't do it. Not Promise. right now, please. Don't move to Manchester United. Right, that is Hot Takes wrapped up. After the break, we are going to be joined by special guest Paul Alima. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks and a huge welcome to the latest member of the rank squad, Paul Alima. Yeah, Paul, you're on the ranks. <laughs> it's great. I'm on the ranks. Come it's on. great to have you here, man. Thank you very much for having me, yeah. So Paul is a former footballer, rugby player, fitness ambassador, yeah. body double, personal trainer, absolute great crack on Instagram. <laughs> and most importantly, when he went on Take Me Out, 27 of the 30 contestants <laughs> left their lights on for him. So Paul is immediately elevated to godlike state in our eyes so <laughs> there you go like, you can't get a better introduction than no, that, man. we'd all leave our lights on as well so today you're going to rank the players who need a reality check reality in the game. Check, yeah. a bit of a bump down to earth so yeah, I'm going to hand over to you and okay. uh, we'll roll through it so uh, at number three I'm going to go for Marco Anotovic is that how you say it yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've said it right yeah he's just a bit it's a bit annoying, isn't he? Like everywhere he goes, like even when he scored for West Ham and when he's playing against Mark Hughes, doing that, like there's no need for it. Do you know what I mean? I think he's 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 definitely a number three. Anyway, yeah. Well, he was going to go to China, wasn't he? Uh, he was very much had his head turned in January, and um, I think that's definitely was a reality check that he needed back then, wasn't it? Exactly. So, and then what did he have to do? Go back to West Ham and no West Ham tail between his legs. He uh, does he, seem like he's got. 
like a head on him in terms of he's just there and he's ready to to leave at any point. He he's well con- convinced that he's better than West Ham. <laughs> yes. He's just probably not. He's he's had a, he's had an ego for a while, but like to be fair, like when he's on. Like amazing. when he's running hot, he is superb. So I, I can kind of understand why he's got this kind of like Zlatan-like personality yeah. because there are moments where he can just pull stuff out of the bag. Yeah. He, he might need to work on how consistently he pulls those moments out to maybe justify exactly what he does. But you know what? There are, there are quite a few more uh, bigger culprits, I think, in the world of football yeah, in terms amazing. of that sort of stuff. But right, it's just, just difficult. Yeah. He, it it's, becomes difficult. He's a top four player I think he should be in one of the top four teams I think he's wonderful up there but I think he's getting a bit old so as he's getting a bit old he might as do you know what I mean just relax maybe wait till your contract's finished and then go to China do you know what I mean no, it's a bit of a disgrace the way he done that with the team I think. just relax just is relax your, is your uh, advice enjoy, Marco in, relax Marco yeah, what would you feel as his teammate how would you have felt okay. at that moment you're like right into a season he's on form like you're kind of depending on him and then he's being offered some money from China. He's like, fancy this. You're like, no, mate, exactly. don't do this to us. Like, exactly. As a teammate, you're like, come on. Especially given the injury crisis that they were going through at the time. And he was the one sort of taking all the burden. And you're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, don't publicly declare that you're going to leave. Like, It's one thing being like, I'm interested in an offer from China. Yeah. It's another one being like, lads, I'm off, see ya. And then everyone be like... No, you're not. Did you see how it was declared? It was his agent that said, so, like, you know what I mean? It's his so, brother as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, his agent's his brother. Awful. Oh, that's just terrible. Now, I think it's a good shout at number three, Arnautovic. Mm. Doesn't hasn't actually been spoken about much recently because the, like these things, they all start to, f- people start to forget. Now is the time to remind everyone that, yes, <laughs> Arnautovic does need a reality check. Massively. Needs to stay at West Ham as well. Massively. So, on to number two. Yeah, okay, lads. Yeah. I'm going for Pepe. Pepe. I bleed and hate him. <laughs> I'm not even going to sugar. Every, every time I see him, he'd kick somebody, they'd be on the floor. He'd be like, get up. And then somebody would touch him a little bit. He'd be rolling on the floor. I wish he'd just put him in a UFC ring with someone, you know what I mean? And knock lumps out of him. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate that fella. Sorry. So he's, he's taking my number two anyway. Well, totally. I mean, that is, I mean, I've said that on this podcast before that I've wouldn't particularly I think I said um, once we were talking about Uber if we were to like have someone's Uber rating I think we were talking about who would have a low Uber rating and one of the names that I mentioned was was Pepe but we've had people also say that actually Pepe is a really nice guy like away from the football pitch one of the nicest blokes you can meet but we don't see that we only see what we see on the pitch and as you say he don't come across that well, does yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally with you there. I'd say he could be a lovely man, but Jesus, on the football <laughs> pitch. I've never, like, want, like, being so angry at a foot. Like, Ramos last year, I'm a Liverpool fan. Ramos last year, what he done to uh, Mo Salah in the final, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was seeding, but I know Ramos is just, he's a wonderful player, do you know what I mean? Even though he cheats a little bit, Pepe is the biggest, one of the biggest cheaters I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so is it okay? Is it okay to be a bit of a rat like that if they, if you think they they fulfil that quality? Yeah, it, so it's okay. So Ramos passes the test. Because Ramos he balances passes, it because yeah, but you, you, don't, you, it. you don't think Pepe's any good, and you don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Pepe is good. I do. I I think he's a great defender, and I don't think he needs to. I feel like he play acts more than he plays the game. And I feel like Ramos plays the game more than he play acts. I think he leads from the front. You'll see him smashing people. What, he's got the most red cards in, of all time. Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. You know Ramos loves his club. He's going for it. I feel Pepe is just a cheater. That's all it is. <laughs> There's something in, you know, and we were talking about this earlier, that when he was at Real Madrid, I used to hate him. I used to absolutely despise Pepe because of, 
you know, you're playing for the biggest club in the world in, in many regards and you're acting like that. <laughs> but now he's at Porto, I'm kind of like, okay, all right, fine. Like, because he's no longer like, the big dog. Yeah. And Don't let him off, mate. Well, no, especially because he's in the Champions League where you're playing bigger teams and he's doing these things. I'm like, yeah, okay, you can get away with being a bit more of a, a scallywag than you can in, you know, if you are playing at the very, very top. Maybe because you are playing the game a little bit, so you're trying to level you the playing field right. yeah, a little exactly. bit. He's but 36. Madrid, you don't to <laughs> he's 36. What's he doing? Mate, I, I feel like he stopped a bit now. At he has. He's not as bad as he was at Real Madrid. Would you remember the thing with Jeff? He's run out of energy. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, I'm actually done with this game. Maybe he's got a couple of kids now. He didn't yeah. They had that in the in the Champions League, though, him and Jekko, and they, they, they went to like almost butt heads and Jekko was the one that went down yeah. Pepe sort of stood over him looking at him and I was like don't pretend you yeah, don't know like what you've he's never done, done that before <laughs> yeah. why are you acting yeah, like you exactly. it was a bit rich wasn't it, it but, was. but at the same time I think he Pepe is responsible for one of like the most vicious sort of five second passages in La Liga history where yeah. he fouled someone and then kicked them extremely hard I mean it was the <laughs> quickest red card decision anyone, <laughs> anyone has ever made it was, it was just pure anger <laughs> well that's what I mean I don't know he needs it I feel like he just needs a good I, I wish Roy Keane played against them and you know like just went through him one time where he was actually hurt proper reality check oh, an old school reality that's check it. that's the reality check that I want I miss you Keane I miss you <laughs> <laughs> come back come back we'll come to the Premier League we need you yeah. pal get the bit soft anyway yeah. right let's move on to number one I feel oh. like Roy Keane might feature again in oh point. yeah number one Jesus <laughs> so as a Liverpool fan I watched uh, Man City versus Man United and I wanted Man United to win so much and I watched Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford walk around that pitch. Well, he was doing, to be fair, he was running and doing the channels. But it was after the game that really got to me. He had a bleeding D squared hat on. <laughs> he, had a, he was doing an interview representing his club. Like, if, what? How can you represent your club with a, with a, with a hat on, a D squared hat on? Do you know what I mean? And he's wearing a tracksuit. Where's the suits? Think about back in the day, Roy Keane walking past Roy Keane with a hat on. Roy Keane would have dragged them to the floor. I'm telling you, it's a, that. <laughs> I, look, I don't know if uh, Pogba and the boys went when he was walking. Boy went, oh, you look cool. Go on out for your interview. But that's not that's you're representing something that loads of people love. Go out. Uh, well, he gets number one, and <laughs> sorry, I'm lost for words right now. At that now, that killed me. Yeah, Rashford there. So he needs a Man United hat there, or no hat at all. Just a no. <laughs> I have a little bit of a flip on this, as in I think there are levels to it, and and like you say, I think after a defeat, you do kind of have to stand up in character and kind of take the blame and look kind of. I suppose a little bit sad. You, you should be sad having lost a derby game to, you know, your second biggest rivals in, in many regards. But, I mean, we had A-Star on here on this podcast a, a while back and he spoke for ages about Paul Pogba and his haircuts because he, he's his barber. And he said that the one thing that Pogba loves is, is, is feeling that kind of feeling himself when he's on the pitch and the, and the kind of look and that all image kind of contributes to how he is. And, and I think there are... You know, like you say, there are levels. If it's one thing Rashford wearing all of these bits and bobs on his Instagram, and, and I don't think there's a massive problem with that. But he had may, a backpack maybe, on. Maybe the <laughs> <laughs> maybe the point is that the the kind of code should be standardised for post match interviews. Yeah, that's, maybe that's the line here. In in that there should be some sort of protocol protocol in, in these instances, so that people can just it, it just kind of takes away from it. it. It takes the responsibility off those players, those young players who I suppose can be influenced as well, right? But also, it's kind of take. I feel like would he have been brave enough 
would he dress like that if Sir Alex Ferguson was his manager? No. No. Not a chance. There are certain managers, I think, in the game. Like, Klopp probably doesn't care what his players go and wear because he's a different kind of manager. But there is a breed of manager that absolutely wouldn't stand for that. And I don't know how many of them are left in the game. Yeah, exactly. But I think that there probably is an argument that players get away with a little bit too much too early. Mourinho was a bit like that, though. And look how that ended. But But you say that. I just say, as a captain, Jordan Henderson... I know for a fact if Alexander-Arnold tried to go out to do an interview for Liverpool walking past Henderson, Henderson would have dragged him, told him to take that hat off. And I know that for a fact. I just feel like in the Manchester United change rooms, it must just be soft. Well, it's like, just a club in chaos, isn't it? In, oh. in many regards at United, there is just no structure. And he's not getting a reality check because last season he played 47 games he scored 13 goals and he got nine assists. He's about to get a contract at a team that finished sixth in the league for 350 grand a week. That's what like, I mean. <laughs> that, that's not leading to anything good as far as I'm concerned. As much as I love Rashford, he runs the channels, he bangs in a few goals and all. I'm not saying, he, he's a good player and all, yeah. but he's not Barcelona quality. Like, do you know what I mean? Not at the moment. He's young, I, yeah. I'm really he's excited young. to see him play. I hope he plays up front for a full season, unbroken, okay. this this campaign. And we get to see what he's truly made of. Because I think it's become very clear that his best football comes as a striker, yeah. running those channels, yeah, yeah, as you yeah, say, and, and playing instinctively. We saw flashes of that during the Solskjaer winning run earlier this season. Give him a whole year, which he's never been given before, in that position. See how it goes. Yeah, yeah, and fair. that, I think, was give, it, like this season, this season is going to be extremely revealing for us yeah. with regard to Rashford and where his future lies in terms of which tier he enters as a striker. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, Paul, like, I suppose you played at yeah. you know, a good level of yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. What was it like in terms of dressing rooms and managers? What, was there kind of codes in the game that, that you were expected to stand by? Or was it kind of... And I suppose, I know it's obviously you know, slightly lower down the chain, but at the same time, if those you know, values have been pushed up all the way from the grassroots up, then, then maybe that does influence the Premier League in its own kind of way. I think we, what we had was we always had senior pros at every club I was at. And what clubs seen, were these, by the way? What, what? Um, so when I started off, came over here, I went trial in West Ham for a while, didn't last too long. Went to Scunthorpe United, then went to Bristol Rovers, Dagenham and Redbridge ended up playing reserves for all of them basically I was professional clubs exactly, so you exactly. the involvement yeah. and then um, I ended up playing for like Grey's Athletic in the Conference Premier and then I just ended up playing Conference Football Conference South for a team sure. called Furuk and then um, after there um, yeah just I just decided to play rugby because I didn't I wasn't good enough I'll admit it myself um, I was better when I came over, but I started lifting too much weight <laughs> and turning like a bus. So yeah, I, I had that, that problem. Didn't help me too much. <laughs> but um, yeah, which position did you play? I played striker. Ah, um, so you know had, what like, you're talking about, a rush. This is what I mean. I had I scored like three goals every season, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I got relegated. I went down a few leagues anyway. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it was just um, for me what I always like. I was a bit of a bollocks as well. I but I wasn't like I'd know who my senior pros are, and I'd like no matter. It, if I felt that I was better than one of them, I'd still respect. I remember, let's say at Scunthorpe when I was trialing there for ages, the boys that were senior were, even though they they weren't the greatest, but they just carried a certain, you've got, this is our club, you've got to respect our club as well. We had to wear suits when we went away. Like, And then my transition to rugby was, I think that's what sorted my headspace out totally. Do you know, it was just a, such a respect. Everything was about respect. After like values the, of oh, the club. Oh, values. After the, after the game, we shook everyone's hand that we played with. If we had a fight with somebody on the rugby field, we bought them a drink after. It was a thing that you had to do. We weren't allowed to get changed 
in the change room until we had a beer with the fans after in the so we'd have to sit there we're all drinking beers and then we were allowed to go get you know, just values you know what I mean respect of a club but yeah. like, as in we saw this a little bit Dean Dean and I went up to FC United in Manchester to see a non-league game up there and the players were all in the in the Came bar, the bar afterwards, after the manager sitting with the sitting with, and it does breed that kind of genuine affinity with the fans that kind of it was a nice experience it's a really good it's hard though at that level you Rashford can't what Rashford can't have a beer with the fans can he yeah yeah I'm not saying there are levels I've been to a couple of games where you go into like the like the lounges or something to go and eat so you get like the hospitality package at at Bournemouth and at Aston Villa I've been to hospitality days and in both clubs they've brought the man of the match into the lounge beautiful after the game and kind of like interviewed him in front of the fans the fans can then go and take photos those are two examples of clubs I think that are maybe instilling those values I don't know about the rest of them Um, and you probably think the further up the food chain you get the less less and less that that happens I think I guess you know you look at those things and and it's like that you can't obviously Rashford can't go for a beer with the fans like that would be madness but to go in and just you know sit in one of those lounges to do a little Q and A for or even just I'm an just interview for the fans, even if it's a video, yeah, even if he does a, a, like a little interview post game and it goes out and all those things and it goes on the, the official club channels, whatever, it just is kind of a tag back to this is where it mm. came from and this is where it goes. I guess that's the, the well, kind of counter. Maybe if they didn't didn't even do it, just go in there and stay with your team. You know what I mean? Just be yeah. part of a team for a yeah. half an hour before you go home. And don't treat it like it's a fashion show either. Like. Oh, I don't, I don't, I, see this is where I disagree with you. I think that given the elevated level of where players are in the kind of standings of the world now and, and the fact that there is so much crossover between fashion, between football, you look at that uh, PSG and Jordan deal for example, mm, yeah. there is that real crossover now in that, in that cultural flashpoint. I do think that that's slightly different to where we were 15, 20 years ago because you didn't have that. It didn't really exist and, and all the kind of collaborations with people were with, were with suit companies yeah. and, 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 you know, big kind of high-end fashion brands whereas now it's not quite that. So I think there is a level that that has to change. Well, well with Liverpool, because, again, I, I have, like, the Liverpool, you know, the jackets that they yeah, yeah. have to wear after a game and, like, Hugo Boss sponsored them. So Ed, every single one of them have, like, a Hugo Boss and they, they were made wear them after games. I think that just... At home, representing a club that it's not just uh, th- my local rugby club. So let's say Esher is a is a big club, big enough rugby club. Yeah, yeah. But this is a club that millions of people around the world love. They adore. They live by. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk a little bit about your you know career. Not not necessarily in football, but now you, you do different bits with different oh, footballers. How yeah. did that come about? And, and kind of what what's the yeah, gist uh, of it? I guess. Yeah. So as I was becoming a failed football player, <laughs> <laughs> um, I decided I started getting into media. I started doing um, adverts for TV, and I'd be like, let's say, uh, there's an advert with. Who was it? Ibrahimovic, which was a company called Sports on Screen, and they used to get me in. All right, you've got to defend Ibrahimovic in this video. So you'll see a Nike advert, and I'll be holding Ibrahimovic off, and he'll turn and score. But like then, so that was my kind of job with them. And then I started becoming a body double. So they asked me for my height, weight, size, and I was the exact same as Mario Balotelli. So um, so then when he was at Man City, that's when it started, which was bleeding great. Like, so you started letting fireworks off in your bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was, it was the boys, it wasn't me. It was his mate, it wasn't even him. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but I'll tell you, he's one of the biggest legends I know. Is it? As, a, as a, I'll tell you, he, people don't know, 50% of his football wages since Man City have gone to favelas in Brazil and kids in Ghana. Nobody knows that. He's an absolute hero. I can't, you'd be with him 
petrol stations, pay for everything's petrol. And you'll sit in the back of the car so someone else will do it. Do you know what I mean? He's an absolute legend. So all, when the, people, all those stories, oh like the my casino God. story, are they all true? If I said there are stories about him, any of him being generous, definitely true. The fella is an absolute legend. I'm not going to lie. I'd be sitting there going, this is what I would want to do if I had yeah, yeah, yeah. money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird because I think there's a mixed outside perception of Balotelli. I think that there are some people that think that and yeah. I think that people would think, oh, he's got a massive ego. Is not someone you would ever want to spend any yeah, time with. And nah. I think that those people sound Yeah, bad. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop them all now. He's absolutely, he's an absolute legend. Like I wouldn't, I'd, um, first, like I think, um, well, so I, was, I was doing body doubling with him for years, um, with sports on screen. So every time he had to do an advert, they'd bring me. And um, why, by the way, what did you, what do you have so to do? So basically, him, Usain Bolt. I do Anthony Joshua's now, which is pretty good as well. I've got a <laughs> bit bigger. Um, but what happens is they come in. Let's say there's a shoot and they need to get lighting. They will get me because we're all big and black. <laughs> they'll put me in first anyway, and I will. They'll get all the lighting off me, and then he. So they might do a pre-light day with me, and then he. And then they will test with me. Then he'll come in for two or three hours. So every contract that they have, mm. they'll be like, okay, we have them for two hours here. We have them for an hour here. So is this so, to prevent like just like yeah. Balotelli sitting Love. around while they light him Love. for like yeah, yeah, three, yeah, four yeah. days, basically? Yeah. yeah. They use me as the guinea pig, <laughs> and then he comes in. So I do all the graft. I get paid buttons, and then he comes in, <laughs> gets, his, gets all the money, gets the millions and goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the friendship with Mario Balotelli is the real prize. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's it. As a, when I was a Liverpool, I'm a Liverpool fan. So I remember, I think it was, the, that's when me and him, we started going off. Like, um, there was a day where he went here, do you, a Liverpool fan. I was like, yeah. He goes, here, do you want to, you want to, <laughs> I'm training tomorrow, do you want to go down? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and um, we went to uh, Melwood and hi, Gerard and all, I was, uh, Brendan Rogers' time it was. So I was just watching Bleeding, Ger- I couldn't believe it. There I was, there sitting with, in the, in the, in there with all of them. It was, it was amazing. Like, um, but like the thing is, I've always had this thing where I'll never treat anybody differently than anyone else. So yeah. I think that's what me and Mario got on because on shoots with Mario, like I remember there was one time it was raining and there was somebody with a coat every time the take was over. They put a coat around them. Do you know what I mean? And I remember bantering them off. I goes, look at the way everyone's treating you around here. I goes, everybody's worried. He's like, I don't ask for this. But, you know, they, people treat him like a god. But he doesn't want that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It must be weird for him. Like, oh. to be treated like that, it's not yeah. comfortable. It's not something that anybody, I don't think, apart from maybe a royal family, could would be, want. like, expecting. Yeah, that's it. Would enjoy even. Yeah, so, but yeah, so I think I start slagging him. I used to always slag him and then his mates would come and I'd slag his mates as well. Because that's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, didn't yeah. he have like this big group of people? The boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the boys would come everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was, uh, they're, he was like, they're all me mates now as well, but they're all, like we're in a group and I tell you, the abuse, like, you know what I mean? Like, And I think that's a great thing. And then I've, I think we're, I've done um, a shoot with Usain Bolt, I was his body double. And when I, before the shoot was going on, the photographer, he goes to me, Usain's going to come. We're playing, we are playing this wall ball, do you know, when the, you kick the ball off yep. the ball of bounce. And he said, Usain's about to come. Do not finish this game. Do not stop this game for him when he comes. Just continue playing the game. I was like, what? And I was, we played, finished it. He stood there, waited until we finished. And I was like, hi, I'm your buddy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Humanise them straight away. As soon as you humanise them, it's all better. That's all I do. <laughs> anyway. did, did Usain Bolt need humanising or was he just grand? No, anyway? he's a legend. He's a legend. He's said hello to the dinner lady, the bleeding cleaners. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. absolute hero. Hero. 
Uh, I've got a question about Balotelli. What do you think of him right now with his club football and stuff? Marseille, yeah, I'm bleeding. I'm, del- I'm well. I'm delighted for him because like he was, it was, it's been hard for him and all. So, but I'm delighted that he's playing for Marseille. I'm really angry because he would play for Italy. He was doing really well, and then they just dropped him out. So that that annoyed me a bit. But yeah, he's doing well at Marseille. So hopefully, he can just k- keep on kicking on from there. Sure, excellent, fair enough. Well, I think that's probably just about it for, yeah, the, cool. for the main ranking. Yeah, um, but we have roulette. Coming up, which I know you're excited for, <laughs> uh, and Sam's nonsense rankings, which you're less excited for, <laughs> understandably, justifiably. No we'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is that time. Sam, do you want to start us off with a little spin? Sure. Which of the three promoted teams to the Premier League will fare the best? Well, you can start us off, Sam. Remind us who they are first. (laughs) (laughs) Norwich City, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Yes, yes. Aston Villa have no players. Uh, Sheffield United can't buy any players because they don't know who owns the club. So go with Norwich. (laughs) (laughs) And they're barely spending any money. They've got like a 20 million budget or something. I think they've loaned one player, Patrick Patrick Roberts, Roberts, and that's it so far. So it's a weak field. Wow. Uh, The glamour of the Premier League. Yeah, they've got quite a lot to do. Sheffield United are still, they're in court at the moment, aren't they? Trying to figure out exactly what their ownership status is. So they haven't done any business. Villa Villa finished the championship campaign and, and, and had like 17 outfield players or 16 outfield players on the books. They're all... They're all in trouble. Villa are in danger of doing a Fulham, which is now a phrase, which is losing all their players, trying to buy too many, and then completely losing any sort of cohesion and depth within the squad. I say that with no bitterness whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I feel and, you, Jack. I feel you. But I do think that Villa are going to do better so at it I. than Fulham did. And I think, you know, the, the moves they're making towards signing some of the players who were on loan last year to getting those back to to actually trying to find some sort of cohesive unit. Yeah, some continuity. does seem to put them in better stead, given the fact that Norwich don't seem to be spending any money and Sheffield United don't have any money because they don't know who owns the money. uh, (laughs) I'm going to go for Aston Villa. So one one of the key things here with the Fulham thing is that the first signing walked through the door in Fulham about 21st of July or something like that last season. And Villa, it's it's currently, I have to actually check the date, 18th of June, 19th when you're listening to this. Um, They've got four already yeah. so they're like literally a month ahead with four in so that might be their saving grace yeah. maybe exactly. Jack Grealish hey. Hey. yeah I mean that's the thing I think Villa have got players like Jack, Jack Grealish that at least are definitely Premier League standard um, and I think that you've just got to look it's very hard to predict like when teams are promoted how they're going to like Sheffield United I'm giving them absolutely no chance of survival yeah, but you did also give Huddersfield no chance of survival when they came up two years ago why bring that up? Um, <laughs> second in my ranking is Norwich. And yeah, Aston Villa are most likely to stay up. That's harsh on Sheffield United. Like, absolutely no chance. They are like a very well-oiled machine. Yeah, they, 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 have, they have that continuity. Like They might not quite have like the quality, but if they just go as they are into the Premier League, I think their floor is Cardiff. Like within yeah. three games of kind of staying up, that's the worst that can happen. I don't think it's like absolutely one hundred percent right them off. No, it is. Paul, um, I think Aston Villa, Jack Grealish, he's he's a solid player. Aston Villa, they're a Premier League club, aren't they? Forty thousand stadium and all. I just, I really feel like that they deserve. I've, I miss them a bit as well. I think they deserve their place in the Premiership. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm going right. with Aston Villa. Going with Villa, right? I'm going to spin for you, Dean. Okay, with Hazard gone, who is the most talented player now left in the Premier League? That's from 
Abdullah on Twitter. Oh, um, I've just one. got to quickly go through every player in the Premier League in my head and think <laughs> who this one's going to be. Um, the most talented. Okay, so I might be going for Sadio Mane here. I like it. I think Alia stick with Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like okay. Hazard's just got his move to Real Madrid and I, I would think through like who's talented whenever I think of talented I'm thinking skillful like yeah, that's yeah. ultimately what's coming to mind so then my next step from that is like okay which players from the Premier League could join Barcelona or Real Madrid and probably Sadio Mane would top my list in that yeah. sense as well yeah. so I'm going to go Sadio I think Mane. it's a decent shout so I, I, th- I think it's a, it's a well-worn track Bernardo Silva is in this conversation <laughs> yes <laughs> mate yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and a slightly off the beaten kind of like skillful path but like obviously extremely talented and very very good is in a different way is Kevin De Bruyne yeah. I think yeah. they're, both, they're both in that conversation uh, alongside Mane I would say as well oh, I think Mane's a good shout David Silva as well He's so talented. He's just come he's off the cliff. So a talented. Bit. I know, but he's just gone, isn't yeah. he? Aguero as well. He's just gone. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say Mo Salah. Oh. <laughs> I love him. I don't know. I, I don't, uh, well, do you know what? You said Mane. I don't want to take <laughs> Mane. Mane is. I think Mane is better. Just a little bit better than Salah himself. But if if it's not Virgil Van Dijk, it has to be. It has to be. What do you think Salah. is it about Salah for you that makes him stand out the most? I just think he. Like, just little moments. Sometimes he frustrates me. I'm not going to lie to you. Just sometimes the ball goes up to him and I'd be expecting a lot or just an easy pass on and he never does it. And it just it annoys me. But then there's other times where, like, back in the day, Ronaldo was great at it. You just like, like, he'll just do something crazy, like dribble a few players. And you don't really get that off any other player yeah. in the Premiership except for Hazard. So what I always look at, what players mm. never lose the ball. So Bernardo Silva, as you said, that's a great show for me. So yeah. if if you had Mane, Silva, and then I'd go with Salah in third place, to be honest. Right, one more spin. Which footballer could you successfully body double? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Paul first to give you two some time to think about your answers. Well, Is there any other footballers you reckon you'd be a good double for, Paul? You know, obviously. Cherno Samba, maybe. <laughs> Football manager legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say, I've, well, I've done quite a few of them. Pogba? I was meant to do Pogba. Oh, I was really? actually meant to do Pogba and then um, they find someone a bit leaner. Um, but, but, you, yeah. but you need a wig for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I needed a wig for Balotelli when he was at Man City. Did you actually I wear had, a wig? Yeah, they used to put like a carpet on my head and then shave whatever hairstyle he had into it. Yeah, <laughs> wow. It was yeah, I have pictures and all. They used to um, put glue on my head, put like a little carpet down and shave it in whatever way Balotelli's was. That's so they'd so all cool. be looking at well, what's what's the new style? And if he got a haircut that day, they'd all be like, "Oh, I've got to change it." Did he ever? Did he ever turn up? And he had a different hair. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, thank God. They'd always ring ahead. They'd always ring ahead. Sometimes he got annoyed though at the start. He was like, "Why do you have the same hair? <laughs> Cut that off when you yeah. go." Home. Get rid. <laughs> I'll get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's enough time for thinking. Sam, you're you're up. Well, um, I've got two answers. Peter Crouch. The first one is is Martin Lawson, who I actually modelled my my professional footballing career on. Professional with, <laughs> professional with an asterisk over it. Um, I'm about the you same might height. Have to explain. Who I look. Martin Lawson I look. Is. Uh, used to play for Milan and Aston Villa and the Danish national team. And um, I thought I looked like him when I was a bit younger. I'm the same height. I look a bit Scandinavian. Um, we have the same colour hair. But I think the right answer here is Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> 
I think I could I think I could do Nicholas Bentner. I'm already I'm already called Lord by a subsection of the VR football community. Fantastic. So uh, I think Lord Ty and Lord Bentner would be a good match. This is a wonderful show. Yeah. I'm really good. Amazing. Do you have the ego of Bentner? I could for a day I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could turn up and start just like smashing stuff. You up score about as many goals as Bentner does. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> right, Dino, on to you. Um, it's pretty difficult. I mean, I'm five foot seven. There aren't too many out there um, that fit me. But the only one I can really think of is he used to play for Swansea City. Uh, Leon Britton is his name, <laughs> and, and I think that that is. I think I actually played against him when I was younger as well, and I remember seeing him. He was in midfield, and he like boss in the game. And that was the, at that time, like you were told, like when you were like a certain size, like you weren't going to make it in the game. I was like, hang on, this guy is changing the rules. He can do it. Why can't I do this? Exactly. So Leon Britton, look him up if you don't know him. Um, we are pretty similar to be fair. He, he looks exactly like him. Like I've like met him, him today and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was him and I walked in. <laughs> Hello, Leon. Yeah. There are some answers here for me. Uh, the two obvious ones are former Republic of Ireland and Nottingham Forest player <laughs> Andy Reid. <laughs> Uh, if, if you don't know him, you should look him up. And former Bristol City tank, Lee Tomlin. Um, and thinking about this, Sam and I have had this discussion many times before. and Mostly about Jack. Mostly though. about me. But, but basically, we, we basically designed a club for people that are nearly as wide as they are tall. <laughs> and we call it Barrel Club. And so there are some prominent members of Barrel Club. It's currently captained by Luke Shaw and <laughs> Jordan Sakiri. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, and we, we keep set. coming up with names in the pub and forgetting them. So I decided to write some down. And we have Andy Reid, Lee Tomlin, Bradley Dack, Luke Shaw, Jordan Shakiri, Loki James Milner, and George Ellicobi. Loki James Milner. <laughs> and like. George Ellicobi. I'm not big enough to do oh, George Ellicobi. These Ellicobi, are all, no. all seven of those are certified members of the Barrel Club. <laughs> I think I could dye my hair blonde and be quite Oi, good, Luke Shaw. At the bail. I can Fen was got to be he's in there. Too, he might be he's too big. big. He's too tall. Okay, he's yeah, too he might got to be squat. Oh, so you've got to be... Oh, right, got to right. be about Jack's height. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give you up to 5'9", but <laughs> right, you're going higher than that, you're not involved. Okay. So, yeah, I think I've dyed my hair blonde and go Luke Shaw. Yeah. That'd you could be do mine, that. Yeah, From the back, you could do that. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Shaw's a good shout, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's the nonsense siren, Sam. It's, uh, it's time. It's the nonsense time, time. For Paul to learn what the nonsense rankings are. For this. Okay, ready, right. So, uh, here we go. So, this week, I've ranked my top three favourite types of tree. And I have compared each of them to a goalkeeper. <laughs> are you ready, Paul? I am ready. Are you I emotionally ready? I am ready for no, this. No one's ever, no one's ever ready. emotionally ready. Honourable mention to the bonsai tree, which has little arms just like Jordan Pickford. <laughs> but into number three is the silver birch, uh, named as such due to its silverish bark. It stands out from the crowd, and when the low sun flashes off it, it can look quite the sight. But at the slightest hint of a drought, it will drop its leaves just like that. It shows poor control in the air and bad control of its area. I would say that this tree looks good in the perfect setting, but place it under a little bit of pressure and it will fold. So this tree is Roman Berkey of Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> Dean's just looking up trees. I'm, I just Googled types of trees. Uh, at, number, at number two is the pine needle. This is the sort of tree you'd usually use at Christmas. So you heavily associate it with great memories, festivity, joy, presents, family time. But one of its key features is how many pine needles, which are essentially its leaves, it drops on the floor. 
And these pine needles, they seem to get every, they, they go everywhere. I mean, th- th- there is no range it can't meet. Right. And they get in the most unlikely of places, different rooms attached to your pets, in your clothes. Phenomenal distribution. <laughs> this isn't simply a tree that drops its leaves where it stands. It has changed the game. It is Edison of Manchester City. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just keep going. What Just keep going. You're just going to have to finish this. And at, and at <laughs> number one is the mighty oak. Oak is solid, tough, and durable. Oak stands for hundreds of years. It is enduring. It is dependable. It is abiding. The timber is of its premium quality, standing the test of time and commanding the highest price. This tree is wise and ever-present. This tree is Icacasius of Porto. Very, very nice. I love that. Fantastic. It's a a subtle finish to what was a very, very (laughs) laughable rankings, and I very much enjoyed it. It's because everyone agrees oak is the best tree. Yeah, and and everybody everybody loves it. The best tree is a Christmas tree. Yeah, that came second, Dean. You haven't listened again to the rankings. As usual. Facilius is all right now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but Christmas tree should be top. It's okay now, yeah, by the the Christmas tree should be top. Okay, all right. Thank you, Dean. Christmas Ultra Dean Jones. Christmas Ultra Dean Jones. Well, I think that is all we've got time for. No other tree do I allow in my house. No, that's all we've got time for. (laughs) (laughs) Cactus, money tree. Um, That is all we've got time for on this week's Be Art Football Ranks. If you're watching on YouTube or on your browser, get locked in properly. Go to iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whichever podcast store you like and search Be Art Football Ranks. Press subscribe and join the Rank Squad on a permanent deal. This is not a loan window anymore. This is a permanent deals window. We are not taking loans. You can always hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and always get involved using the hashtag BeatRFootballRanks. Thank you so much to Paul Alima for coming on and sharing many a laugh, much crack and <laughs> some it. wonderful stories. Paul, do you want to tell the Rank Squad how you can, they can find you? Or yeah, yeah. If you go on Instagram and you put in Olima, O-L-I-M-A underscore Omega, O-M-E-G-A. It's quite a ball attack. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't hold back on that one. Yeah, I know. Um, well, thank you ever so, as ever to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. To Sam Ty. Thank you. I've been Jack Collins. Thank you to everyone for listening today. Please keep spreading the word and we will see you next week. Peace.